Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Pet Photographers Club. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Bernard Photography. And I'm Caitlin of Ragamuffin Pet Photography. And today we have another wonderful guest for you for Season 1, Episode 10 of the Pet Photographers Club podcast. Our guest today successfully manages an extreme balancing act between traditional studio pet portraiture and brilliantly bizarre conceptual animal artwork. She runs her studio with a team of three others in Chesapeake, Virginia, and her mission as a photographer is to capture the personality and uniqueness of each pet in front of her lens. It's the wonderfully talented Erin Bonilla of Bonilla Pet Photography. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Erin. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. Hearing the description of myself from your point of view was wonderful. Um, sounded pretty good. I feel pretty awesome about that right now. <laughs> It's a weird thing, isn't it? I know when Andrew from Friday Biz X introduced me for my episode with him, I was like, oh, wow, what do I say to that? <laughs> yeah, what are they talking about? That's, they sound awesome, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners who might not be familiar with your work and um, Benia Pet Photography, how would you describe what you do, Erin? Okay, um, so I run a portrait studio in Virginia uh, where I meet with clients face-to-face and I plan um, portraits for them that are based um, mostly around their pets uh, that are designed Mm -hmm. to fit within their style of their homes. Um, So we shoot with the end in mind um, and start Mm -hmm. from the very beginning with the planning um, and then I would say 95% of my portraits take place in the studio um, and I design um, artwork for their walls. Did you always start in studios? So how did you get to where you are? I kind of did um, start in the studio. So it's kind of funny because I was the Easter bunny. (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh, When I was about 15 years old, I worked as an assistant for a portrait uh, studio photographer in California, uh, lugging all of her preschool uh, portrait gear around. Mm -hmm. And I was the Easter Bunny and stuff. So um, I worked with her a little bit, but um, about four years ago or so, um, as soon as I got my first DSLR camera, the very next thing that I got was Speedlight and Softbox. And I always enjoyed uh, working in the studio. Well, that makes sense that you just naturally went that way. I suppose I kind of had the reverse um, experience as you, Erin and I started in a natural light Mm -hmm. studio and so I've kind of naturally gone that direction and I think it's a big leap for a lot of pet photographers to go from starting out to having a studio just because obviously the the overheads in mind how long were you shooting or you did you have a portable studio that you were starting off I'm just trying to get an idea of sort of the projection of your okay so well I started doing it mostly for fun. I didn't Mm -hmm. take payment or start pursuing uh, people to hire me, you know, for a little while. (laughs) But even then, you know, my friend um, Heather would bring a whole bunch of animals over to my house, like a herd, I should say, instead of a whole bunch. She would bring a herd (laughs) of guinea pigs 
to the house and we would come up with all kinds of different um, scenarios and cute things to do with them. So we just did it for fun. And I think for me, part of the reason that I worked a lot in my house is because I have kids. And at that time, um, I had a a one-year-old son. Um, so going out a whole bunch to go shoot out, um, on location for people or myself was a lot bigger of a hassle than, Mm -hmm. you know, just waiting for him to go to bed and then working for hours as long as I want and being able to control it. I really liked building, you know, little scenes and using props. I like that. And I really like to control the light. So, um, outdoor is nice too, but I thrive in the studio. Yeah, I saw on your website that you had um, a big box of all different sorts of props for your clients, a big box of hats even. Um, Do you have a lot of clients get excited for that, for sort of incorporating props into the portraiture? Yeah, they they do. I think that a huge part of the experience that my clients enjoy is how much fun it is to make the portraits. And I Mm -hmm. reassure them when they come in, don't worry, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's definitely a large segment of people who um, say, no, I don't really like any of that stuff. I just want it to be more simple, just about them, Mm -hmm. uh, just about the pets. But other people are like, yeah, whatever you want to do, let's use this. Let's put them in the bathtub or let's put the cowboy hat on them. Uh, We're using bubbles in almost every portrait. We love to have the dogs jump for the bubbles. Um, mm-hmm. I love to catch them with their mouth open. Like they look really mean and there's a spot mm-hmm. like right in the middle yeah. of their mouth. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of props and um, we love to use them, especially with small animals. So mostly with cats and small dogs with the larger dogs, right. there's only so many props I have uh, that I can use with them. So I'm trying to get bigger and bigger <laughs> props. Now, speaking of small animals, I'm, Sure, you can guess where I'm going to go. Oh, couldn't do this interview without asking about the new guinea pig series. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure any listeners who aren't familiar with this series of yours will be um, thinking I've probably lost the plot a little bit at this point, but um, it's absolutely adorable, totally fascinating. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll maybe put a um, sample up on the show notes so you guys can have a look, or we'll put a link to it. But for those who aren't familiar to what I'm on about, do you want to explain a little about the project? Because it's all over Google when we look up your name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you Google my name and hairless guinea pig, you will not be disappointed when you <laughs> to find the results. Um, so what happened is it was actually really funny. So my friend Heather is a breeder and now she's more like a hobby farmer so she's got about like 30,000 goats or something probably not that many but um, she's got alpacas and rabbits and hedgehogs and she's just got all kinds of animals so that's what she used to bring over to my house in fact one time in my little HOA subdivision and I'm not sure if you're familiar with those terms but it basically means like little cookie cutter houses and there's rules and stuff um 
I had an alpaca in my barn and that <laughs> not really a barn. It's just like where we put the lawnmower anyways. Um, so she had this pretty rare breed of Guinea pig called a Baldwin. And many people re- mistake them uh, for a skinny pig, which are way more common and popular, but they're not skinny. They're actually Baldwins. And don't confuse the two or the guinea pig pops <laughs> will get, you know, all upset. Um, and she, um, she sent me a cell phone picture of herself holding a bathtub. And it took me, I was like, huh? What? Oh, that's cute. And then it, a, two, three, four. Oh, I get it. She's naked and she's going to get in the bath. That's hilarious. So it was actually her idea. And I thought it was brilliant. Um, and we went to uh, Hobby Lobby, which is a craft store here. And um, I, I looked up online for Victorian style um, bathrooms to get an idea of the color oh, theme and the porcelain, you know, white porcelain. And um, I looked up a soft pink boudoir images because I wanted to get an idea of what kind of editing style I should use. And we went shopping. We bought tile for the floor. Like we bought that tile. I built that bathroom that you see her in. And um, we found a better bathtub. It was bigger. And with a little candle. So um, we were working with her name. The the bald guinea pig is Strawberry Shortcake. And do you know how? Do you know how you clean a hairless guinea pig? I. Please don't tell me you like lick them or something. (laughs) You actually um, rub them all over with coconut oil. Oh, that's so cute. So I was like, I have a lady in my basement, which is where we were shooting, rubbing a hairless guinea pig all over with coconut oil. How did I get to this point? (laughs) Yeah. What is my life right now? So we lit the candle and strawberry shortcake is just a really good model. She'll just let you pose her and you can move her (laughs) head one direction and she'll keep it there. Um, And we, we just made the scene um, with her in the bathtub and got her in there. And we had a space heater on her to keep her nice and warm because they do get cold easily. Um, so it was so much fun. You know, we just did it because we would cry laughing when we would go through the pictures and see what we had created. And I put, um, some of the images on a website called 500 PX and, uh, caters news agency, a, a lady, a representative from caters, uh, contacted me and, um, we signed a contract for them to publish the, uh, uh, that series of images and people just wrote the most hilarious articles about that. It was so much fun. So I think that, you know, some, I've heard people, how do I get published? You know, I really want to get published. And, um, I just, we did that for fun. We did that because it was a passion and so many people are fascinated by that one shot boudoir guinea, the one where she's standing up and she's got a little front pawpaws up mm-hmm. the, the bathtub. And that gets such a strong reaction from people. It's really fascinating to see. Oh, that's actually so interesting to hear. I love hearing all the different sort of ways that photographers end up publishing their coffee table books or photography books in general, like whether or not it's a Kickstarter or self-publishing, or obviously you sort of 
it sounds like you generated a bit of an organic growth and then there was interest there. I do actually, side note, talking about publishing, have a free guide for the listeners that I have put together recently. It's the five common mistakes that photographers tend to make while self-publishing and how you can avoid them, obviously. So if you are interested in creating your own book, we'll pop um, we'll pop a link to it in the show notes and then you can grab it there. Um, but yeah, that's sorry. Side note, back to your book. Um, so yeah, that's what I was wondering is, was it absolutely more of an organic growth or how exactly did the book publication come about? Yeah. So I did not go looking for the publication. Um, and actually I think another agency contacted me before her, but they had a weird clause in their contract that said that they could use my images to create greeting cards after we were done with the contract and that I would get no uh, royalties from that. And I was said, uh, no, um, and just waited. And it was kind of a, a scary thing to say no to being published without, I've never been published or anything before. So good on you. I just with kind of faith that if they were good enough for that company, then they'll be good enough uh, for somebody else. And sure enough, uh, caters news agency also found them. In terms of, because I did notice that you feature sort of awards, publications, associations page quite prominently on your website, um, which are right there in the main navigation for listeners. Um, have you found having sort of these awards and associations and stuff affect your business or is it more of a peer-to-peer thing or what's your point of view on that? I absolutely do it um, for my clients um, and for my potential customers who are on my site comparing mm-hmm. to other people. So for me, it's a competitive edge. The more that I can put on there of awards that I've won um, or accomplishments, um, I think that the more credibility I have. Uh, you just do it to build trust. Is that what you're suggesting? Or to build trust, yes. Um, also, sometimes I think people, they maybe don't have an eye themselves necessarily mm-hmm. for what good photography is. And they want to find somebody who's going to be really good. But if you don't really know what's good and what's not good, then if somebody has won awards, and obviously people who know think that they're good. So, yeah, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I would think if I was looking um, also because I'm a very competitive person. And if I go to <laughs> other photographers sites and I see those things there, it gives me a feeling of uh, jealousy. So I'm competitive. Like I want to accomplish also. And then I'm very proud when I win an award at an art show. I'm yeah, very happy absolutely. and proud. So I like to share that too. Um, I have had one uh, recently one client uh, she mentioned the awards and she congratulated Mm -hmm. me so and it's not so much that people sit down in my studio and say oh yeah I don't mind paying whatever you ask because I saw all the awards on your website nobody ever has ever said that but almost nobody argues about the prices either so I think that it's not just that the awards but it's that plus my brand, um, the work that I have done on my brand, plus the work that I do with each image for excellence in that image, plus the work that I do with customer service, you know, so every single little thing that I do, um, adds together in order to create that, 
uh, like you said, that trust and the confidence and the willingness for people to invest lots and lots of money uh, with me. Now, are you comfortable talking numbers? When you say invest lots and lots of money, what's your sort of average sale? Right now, my average sale is $1,800. Mm-hmm. What sort of products are you selling for that? Uh, like you're selling a mixture of frame stuff and, um, and albums or you're selling digitals or just for the listener? So mostly what I sell is one, two, between one and four wall art pieces. So that's anywhere between 11 by 14 up to an average largest size would be a 24 by 36. Yeah, mm-hmm. I only have two styles of wall art presentations. I have um, customs, uh, custom frames, sprayed and mounted prints, and photographic canvases, and that's it. And then, so most people are purchasing, like I said, between one and four of wall art pieces, and then possibly a few eight by tens and an album. Are you selling the digitals as well? Would you specialize more in print work and? Um artwork, that sort of thing. So for the average client, um, the only digitals that they get are the, um, the sticky album. I use sticky albums. So they get the corresponding digital files in the sticky album for whatever images they purchase in print only. So for our listeners who don't know what sticky albums are, do you want to explain that quickly? Sticky albums is super awesome. I love it. Um, so except, you know, you have to make it, which is only downside to it. But my customers also really love it. And it's a really great um, add on to the value when I'm selling to people because it is an app for their phone. Um Really what it is, is an actual little mini web page for their images. And it is branded to my studio. So it has my logo up at the top. It's got clickable, clickable buttons to go to, you know, my website, my phone number, but it also has all of their images that they purchased within that web page. And then uh, they can save it to the home screen on their phone and create a little app that way. Um, and they can share directly from the app onto social media, Facebook, Twitter. Brilliant. So Erin, um, you're giving that as like a bonus for people who spend a certain amount or everybody? Every single client, if they purchase an 8 by 10 or, you know, everything. And whatever they purchase in print, they get as a website digital file in the app for their phone. And that is how I sell albums. Like almost uh, every yep. person. Because I say, you know, you're going to have at least 20, 25 images that you love from the shoot. And you may not want to place 25 eight by tens all around your house. And then I kind of laugh and say, or maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, but you can have all of those images in the album. And then you will also get all of those images in the app for your phone too. That's actually a good way of doing it. I've never considered that because I do the same thing, but using uh, the ShootProof app, um, which is the same idea. I used to use sticky albums. And then I, and I also remind them that, um, and then I'll also keep all of the images in my external hard drives and maintain them forever and ever. The ones that they order, presumably, not the ones that they're not ordering. Yes, only the ones they order. Are these digital files, do they have your logo or anything in the corner or they're unmarked? No, they're not marked. They don't have my logo on them. What was your decision making behind that? Because um, I just don't 
want to. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to put my logo on the front of an image that they bought. If they bought it, I'd put it in the app. And if I were them, then, I mean, maybe I wouldn't mind a little logo, but I just don't. I don't. Yeah. Do you get a lot of word of mouth? How are you getting most of your work? I get almost all of my work from uh, local shows in the community. Really? So talk us through that. That's interesting. Let me actually find something I can show you or tell you a little bit more detail. So uh, for 2019, I have right now um, 17 local shows that I'm planning to attend. You're impressive. I do one a year and it exhausts me. Yes, it is a lot of hard work. Presumably well worth it if you're investing that amount of time. Are you selling sessions when you're at the show? Are you collecting leads? Like, what's your approach? I collect leads. And uh, from from those 16 shows, I estimate that I'll do 181 portraits. So... Wow. Um, and that is based on my closing ratio over the last two years of going to shows, which varies between about 9% up to 15%, depending on the show. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had 16 shows and I'm not planning to be personally at all mm-hmm. of them. There are five that I will have somebody else do for me. Okay. Could you just run us through uh, sort of? your setup and like what you're offering and how that converts to you getting 181 portraits per year? Sure. I would love to share a little bit about that. Um, so I do an enter to win drawing Mm -hmm. and I've tweaked it over the last few years to try to make it the best that I can. Um, so I have signs in my booth. I usually invest in the largest booth that I can inside, depending on the show, like a 10 by 20, Mm-hmm. Um, I always want to have the biggest, most beautiful, brightest, most amazing booth in the entire show. Yeah. And I, I have people enter the drawing and then um, we go through all of the leads that were collected. Uh, we email them and we call every single one. Uh, we give them a special offer. And I found that, you know, like I said, the vast majority of my business is from the leads that are collected from the show. So I don't have very many people who call me out of the blue. And I believe it is because if I do 181 portraits next year, which I just can't believe that I'm going to have to figure out how that's going to happen. But um, that's a lot (laughs) of portraits. Yeah. Um, then, you know, there is a percentage of those people who would have called me or they would have emailed, uh, but they don't mm-hmm. because I'm calling them first. What is the competition that they're entering to win? Or do you vary it? Um, it is sort of varied, but um, it's a session and um, sometimes, so there's usually like a grand prize that is a session and a larger print, um, maybe just a 16 by 20 only. And one person would win that. Um, and then other people would win, um, something less than that. Right. So you have one main person who's winning the big prize and then presumably you're having everyone, 
everyone else, um, not that they would know that this is what happens, but does everyone else who enters win a smaller prize? Yeah, pretty much. So there, it isn't just like a random drawing where I just pick one person and then maybe two or three other people. So what we're doing is, um, I have now I actually have an electronic system for this now. Um, so I started out with paper entry forms. <laughs> I did that too. My first show I had paper entry forms and I hated yeah. myself for doing it. <laughs> well, and I, I did it that way. I actually have like five binders with probably about 800 uh, local people who enter to win portraits within their paper entry forms. Um, and so what I do is I figure out, so what's my goal for this show? My goal is to collect more leads than I did last year. So how am I going to do that? So first I have to figure out, um, what is keeping me from collecting more leads? So it's a limited um, amount of clipboards that I have with papers on it. So I need to have more clipboards. If I have more clipboards, I need another table. If I need another table, I need a bigger booth. So now I have from you know one table with three clipboards to three tables with nine clipboards. And I collected you know like 25% more leads that way. So you have to figure out, you know, why, what else is slowing me down from collecting leads? It's the process of the person, you know, filling it out by hand Mm -hmm. and then folding it up. That takes time. And then they try to put it in the box and it doesn't fit through the slot. So now they have to try to fold it again and they put it in the box. So, um, you know, that, that all takes time. And then when we get it back to the studio, now we have to unfold everything, put it all together, whole punch it, and then manually enter that into our customer relationship management software. So now you have that all electronic. Are you going through and emailing them or are you going through and calling them? Both. Yeah. And so I converted to a Kindles and I actually got six uh, Kindles and like the cute little stands. And now it is so much faster. And it used to take us three days to input. Let's say I got 200 leads. It would take three days or so to input every single one into the computer. I figure it's like 30 hours of work uh, for one show. I got 580 leads. So that showed 580 leads. And by Monday morning at nine o'clock, I had already gone through all 580, sorted them out according to how they answered the questions. So when you say you've sorted them out, depending on how they've answered the question. So are you pre-qualifying who you will be following up with, with a phone call according to their questions? Yes, absolutely. I am. Um, So like I said, I've tweaked it over the last couple of years um, with experience, um, witnessing people and how they react to the questions and then how they fill them out and um, what I think they mean to me. Um, So the questions themselves, specifically in my survey now, um, are a lot less questions than it used to be. Uh, mm-hmm. but obviously like contact information is important. Um, this one question I just added that I really love is, um, even if you don't 
win the grand prize, we still have special offers that we would love to contact you and tell you more about. What is the best way to contact you? Phone, email, or no thanks, I'm only interested if I win the grand prize. Oh, brilliant. And, you know, they're going to, oh, okay, great. Yeah, phone. You know, or like, oh, they're going to read it. Oh, no, I only want to win the grand prize. They click that. Then you think that we're going to call them and offer them a free session? That is fantastic advice for any of our listeners who are sort of wondering how they can use competitions as a lead generator in shows. I think you're doing it brilliantly. It's so much better than like so often when you're chatting to people, oh, how do you get business? And it's just sort of a generic word of mouth. But I love hearing that you have such a kick-ass strategy that's actually doing big things for you. Thank you so much. It was really exciting for me too. The only other thing we were like super interested in is the whole the whole client experience. So it feels like you go above and beyond for your client. What's the steps involved in booking them into that in-person pre-consultation? Is that something that everyone goes through before their session? Everybody does go through the in-person consultation before the session. So in one reason um, that I found to be pretty helpful um, is I also collect a, a pre-design um, payment at the consultation sometimes, not, not every time. So I always collect a deposit that ha- is like a minimum deposit in order to hold the portion of the studio calendar. Really? And we tell them about that when we are booking the consult with them, when we're talking to all of these leads from the show and that's where we qualify them the easiest. So if we tell them that um, you can come in for your consultation, we're going to meet with you and we go through the spiel and we tell them that. So when you do schedule the portrait itself, we collect a $150 reservation deposit to hold your portrait time on the studio calendar, uh, which we block three hours for the portrait and the design appointment. At the same time, we do those two. Yeah, but it can be applied directly to whatever artwork you choose. So if they're, oh, no, you know, I just only wanted it if it was free. Do I have to pay that? Or I can't afford to pay $150. Then Mm -hmm. that qualifies people, you know, right away. They don't even come in for their consult. Um, And, but I also do a pre-design savings sometimes. So, um, and that's where I say, well, if you think that a 20 by 30 canvas is perfect for you, and that is I don't know, $25,000, right? Let's just say, (laughs) wouldn't that be great? Then I can pre-design that 20 by 30 uh, for 20,000 instead. And you'll actually save $5,000. Yeah. And it doesn't lock you in where now you have to get a 20 by 30. All that it does is it gives you $25,000 in portrait credit for only 20. It's like buying a $25,000 gift certificate for $20,000. You can use it for whatever you want. That's cool. And how many people take that, take you up on an offer like that, Erin? Oh my goodness. I used to have the exact percentage, but it's like, I don't know, 35% or something like that. 40%. That's really interesting. If I was hiring a photographer, I knew I loved their work. Presumably that's why I'm hiring them. And they said, you know, you have an option to save $5,000 if you pre-purchase hell yeah if you weren't having that sort of pre-consultation and you didn't have them there so you could sort of talk everything through I feel like it would be a more difficult sale um to make but since you're offering them that experience in the first then it makes total sense do you have a lot of people who 
if they do do that pre-purchasing thing, then end up buying more or do they just take whatever they've pre-purchased? Almost every person buys more. The concept is um, sort of like first money, second money, third money, where the the first money that you get from people is always the hardest to get, right? It takes the Mm -hmm. most effort. Um, The second money is easier and the third money is easiest. So if they're doing their consults the beginning of the month and um, they do their pre-designed payment, let's say their portrait is near the end of the month. Now they've had a whole new paycheck and that money they paid in the beginning is sort of like forgotten money. So Mm -hmm. now it's just like, oh, I already have this credit. You know, I can buy more. I can afford more now. When their prints come in, then I sell them frames. Oh, that's interesting. So I'm getting money at the consultation. You know, that could be like $1,500. And then I'm getting like maybe another $1,800 or $2,000 at the ordering appointment. And then at their frame appointment, I'm getting another $1,300. And for them, it's broken up over, you know, six to eight weeks. Yeah. So do you have a minimum amount that they can do that? Um, that first initial payment for with the 35% off? It's not 35% off. I, I was saying about 35 or 40% of people coming in for consults are doing the pre-design um, payment. And it, I think it could be higher than that. So, um, but what was your question? Do you have, so presumably they're not getting a big discount if they're saying, well, let me pre-purchase an 8 by 10 for example. No, because my um, 150 reservation deposit is an 8 by 10 So. Right. It can't be really close to that or what's the purpose of me doing it. So mm-hmm. it has to be um, like at least an 11 by 14 canvas size, like something like about a minimum would be about five or $600. So no, I don't yeah. do it for just like two, 300, something yeah. like that. No, no point. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to wrap it up by asking you, Erin, what does success mean to you personally? Success means continuous improvement in all areas. I love that. Brilliant. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It has been absolutely wonderful talking to you. And as I said, it's just so much content that you've shared. So I'm sure the listener will be so appreciative. And it's really interesting seeing someone approach all these different aspects um, of running a pet photography studio in such a unique way. I really feel like you're you're making your own mark and sort of paving your own way. So it's really cool to listen to. Thank you. Um, We will check you soon, I'm sure. So for any of our listeners who are wondering, um, how can they best find you? Okay. um, So I have a book with the naked guinea pig. It is on Amazon and it is called The Best Piggy I Can Be. That's adorable. And I also have a pet photography and pet portrait, profitable pet portrait um, class uh, that I will be posting on my website. Um, It's boniapetphotography.com. So that will be there. Fantastic. So we'll put a link to all of those in the show notes. You're just a wealth of knowledge, Erin. Thank you so much for coming on board. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate the offer and congratulations on your podcast. And I'd love to come back. Thanks so much. Bye. So that was the amazing Erin Bonilla of Bonilla Pet Photography sharing all sorts of information with us there. I was particularly interested in the way that she approached fairs and her whole competition strategy. I think that's a great way to gain leads, especially if you are, I guess, the sort of person who is confident at 
being in that sort of in-person selling situation, although she's not selling sessions, I suppose. Um, anyway, I just, I found that fantastic. It was super interesting. So thank you so much to Erin again for sharing that with us. We will put all the links to Erin's work and website, social media, etc., in the show notes. So just head over to the petphotographersclub.com to find all those. If you're not a member yet, of course, we would love it if you would join the club. It's only $10 a month and we're working really, really hard to make it as awesome as can be for our members. And speaking of extra free content, that free guide of self-publishing mistakes, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. That's it for now. Hope you all have a wonderful week in your business and we will see you in the next fortnight with an interview with the amazing Alison Shamrau, which is another jam-packed one with loads of content that you guys are going to love. All right. Bye for now.